Welcome to Locksmith Talk with Loa. I'm your podcast host, William Link. I've been a locksmith since 1975, having attained a bachelor's degree from Kent State University in Kent, Ohio, and a master's degree from Cambridge College in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I'm an interchangeable course specialist, certified Aloha ACE instructor, Aloha content expert, and an Aloha ACE instructor trainer. I enjoy teaching classes on interchangeable cores, high security cylinders, and master keying through webinars, conventions, trade shows for associations and corporations nationally. As an author of many related industry articles, I was happy to receive the Keynotes Author of the Year Award in 2013 and 2015, and I'm the 2017 recipient of the Aloha Lifetime Achievement Award. Additionally, I've penned interchangeable core small format, 2000, Removal Cores Large Format, 03, and SFIC Advanced in 2005. Aside from my books, articles, and videos written and produced, and with my passion for IC, I have originated SFIC technical manuals for national and international lock manufacturers and continue to maintain a working relationship with the major lock and security manufacturers throughout the world. I was also asked to be the international video spokesperson for the newly re-engineered Peaks Preferred line offered through Dorma Kaba Ilko and on their new Kaba Ilko YouTube channel. I was pleased to be awarded the Aloha Education Department Service Award in 2012, the ACE Instructor of the Year 2014, have volunteered as web designer, webmaster for the Aloha Scholarship Foundation, and served as the North Central Director on the Aloha Board of Directors. I'm currently a member of Aloha, ILA, as is, List Council, LSA, POLA, and ClearStar, as well as a longtime distributor for Ultra Security. And I am the owner of ICLS, Interchangeable Core Lock Systems, located in Metro Detroit and on the internet at www. ICLSglobal.com. Today's episode is entitled Workplace Communication Part 1. In Part 1 of our series on workplace communication, Guy Robinson, PSP, CPL, introduces us to the Diactic Conversation Leader Member Exchange Theory, LMX, and Uncertainty Avoidance. Our guest is Guy Robinson, and if you don't know Guy, I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. Guy has been involved in multiple areas of the lock, door, and access control industry for over 44 years, only taking a break from the industry to give four years of service in the United States Army as a light infantryman. During this time, Guy has managed multiple locksmith companies. Guy also purchased a fledgling locksmith business, turned it around, and sold it for a healthy profit. During the past 14 years, Guy has managed and built sales territories for Asa Abloy in California, Texas, and Louisiana. Guy developed and is currently managing a state-of-the-art Asa Abloy training facility for lock, door, and access control products. These career choices have taken Guy to different parts of the world and to live in many great cities in America. Guy's deepest desire is to impart his knowledge and confidence with the physical security industry to new and experienced individuals who want to learn more. Guy believes everyone should cultivate a lifelong desire for learning. 
Guy, since joining Asa Abloy in 2006, has earned a BS in Business Administration from the University of Phoenix and an MA in Communication from California State University, San Bernardino. Guy is focusing on business communication. Guy holds many certificates of achievement and industry certifications, to include being a PSP and a CPL. Earning a doctorate in business communications is in the near future. Guy has been married to his beautiful wife, Christy, for 30 years, and they have two children and four grandchildren. So, Guy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Bill. I really appreciate uh, the time that, uh, that we're going to have together today, and I'm looking forward to uh, discussing workplace communication. Excellent. Thank you, Guy. Now, a lot of people may consider workplace communication self-explanatory, but give us a quick rundown on what workplace communication is so that we're all on the same page before we get into the finer details. Sure. You know, communication can take many, many forms or different types of speeches or actions. Some people believe that, uh, that an, indiv an individual cannot not communicate. It's e it can either be verbal or through actions. Now, the type of communication that we're going to focus on with these classes is the didactic, or in other words, the communication between two individuals. Ah, Diactic communication, it, it can be between an employee and a customer, mm -hmm. between two peers in the workplace, or between a supervisor and subordinate, which we will focus on. That is going to be the main focus uh, between a supervisor and subordinate, or uh, if you would rather, employer-employee communication. Perfect. Now, while there are a, mi a myriad of books and podcasts and seminars about communication between Individual, an individual's one-on-one -on -one discussion with customers or how to get along with people at work, there is very little in dealing with the didactic or two-way communication between a supervisor and subordinate. When we talk a little bit later, um, the reason why I started studying this, for the main reason is I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, as a definition, to this type of workplace communication, I will define this as the direct verbal engagement between a supervisor and their subordinate. We can always use, we can also, like I said before, we can use the term employer employee, especially when discussing communication practices at small family run businesses. And that is what this is really gonna be dealing with. Why is communication uh, so important at a small business, small family run business is because we have to depend on our uh, employees or our, 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 a small amount of people. We don't have a very large facility to where there's different levels uh, that can absorb any mistakes. Well, that makes sense. Well, we don't. And, and a, uh, a mistake they seem small, but, but in a small business, it can have dire consequences, especially if it leads to a customer not coming back, uh, an employee that just made uh, would, would be a small mistake in a large business and a small business can be very detrimental. Sure. So, Guy, why would effective workplace communication be really important for a locksmith business or an institution? Effective communication is an important element of any small business or institution. Because like, like I just said, because of the nature of a small business, 
proper communication and understanding is paramount. We know we 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 thought we communicated correctly. We thought we knew what I that we told or informed or asked an, uh, an employee to do, and it didn't get done the proper way. And like I said, when you have a small business, uh, small things can have uh, huge consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just give you an example. And okay. you know, like I just said, in large companies, corporations, and institutions, there there exists many layers of responsibility. If an individual is given, you know, wrong verbal directions or does not understand the directions given or just doesn't follow the directions, the impact is generally minimal because there's many different layers and somebody can stop, stop anything wrong along the way. Mm-hmm. And even if there is a mistake, if there's a company with a large amount of money or where it's not that detrimental, that, that monetary mistakes can screw up the whole company, they can absorb that mistake. Mm. Uh, but we also know there are exceptions to this. Uh, so I don't, don't want to say that you don't need workplace communication there because we can look at, we can take Enron for an example. Mm-hmm. The actions of a few individuals caused a whole major corporation to come tumbling to the ground. So, but however, in a small business, especially a small family run business, or it just has an owner and a few employees, miscommunication can be costly. I know other people may be listening to this or other types of businesses, but this is primarily a uh, a podcast that's going to reach out to locksmiths. Uh, Usually, a locksmith's business has very few employees, less than 10. There are some Mm -hmm. large ones, we know that, but most of them run on less than 10 employees. And the owner of a locksmith business not only has to manage the business end, the accounting, the uh, the business part of it, the inventory control, you name anything in the business part of it, he or she, that, that employee, generally, a lot of times, is out running service calls. The reason is the owner is generally the most knowledgeable in a trade-related business. And so they're not able to be there for all the uh, decision-making product uh, processes so what they have to do is they've got to trust the individuals they left in control in order to answer the phone, talk to customers, be the face of the business. Right. I'm sure you've experienced that in your career. Yeah, yeah. Though well, that makes a lot of sense. So from what you're saying, obviously the opposite or the lack of effective workplace communication can obviously be harmful to the locksmith business or institution and its employees. Can you give me one specific example where it could really be harmful? Okay. Your, uh, uh, your employee makes a, makes a, uh, uh, doesn't talk to a certain customer, right? Mm-hmm. Your employee, uh, screws up a customer's order. They didn't follow your, guidelines on how how to interact or how to treat this particular customer well if it's a very large corporation the generally the loss of one customer can be easily absorbed but when you have a small business the loss of an important customer can have detrimental financial uh, effects on your business yeah yep so so you what your goal is is you've had the vision of opening a small business your goal is to have your employees understand that vision, but you need to communicate that vision properly to them. And that's what I'm, I want to discuss a little bit 
and, and where we lose it a little bit. Right. Because let, let me see if I can give, uh, I want to break this down as easily as possible. Okay. Um, as a manager, as an employer, and we have subordinates or we have employees, we are effectively become a teacher to those people. We are trying to teach them how to run our business. We want to impart to them our vision to run the business. Now, the only there's a little problem with that. And that is because if we as an adult individual are going to teach someone to run a business, to run our business, to effectively manage our business, if we want to impart our knowledge and teach them, we have got to learn how to do that. Because usually instructors, or if you're, if you're a manager and you want to teach, as an adult, we learn teaching one of three ways. We've learned it through our parents teaching us. We've learned it through teachers in school teaching us. Or if we have children, we learned it through teaching our children. Now, all three of those scenarios have one thing in common. Bill, can you tell me what that one thing is? Or by me saying that, did you pick up on with the one com commonality to those three scenarios was? I'm thinking that through the way you worded it, the three ways we learn to teach. Um, the one common thread, well, the common thread is we're dealing with people. We're talking and working with people. Well, actually, we're working or dealing with children. You see, either we would learn to teach because a teacher taught us as a child, or our parents taught us as a child, or we learn to teach by teaching children, our own children generally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The point. issue comes, adults do not learn like children. They do not. Adults learn completely differently. So now we go into the workplace, we're a manager, we're an employee, and we want to teach our employees or our subordinates how to run the business how to be how how we want it run, the proper way uh, uh, to do everything, but we're trying to teach adults like we taught children or like we learned how to teach. But there was always children involved, and now there's not children involved. So that leads to a bit of frustration because as that manager or supervisor, a lot of times our uh, subordinates or employees are not understanding what we're saying and we're blaming them. Right. I have gone back. I have gone back uh, uh, to past employees, talking to them, because uh, I see many of them. I, some of my friends uh, throughout the years, I've actually apologized for the way I managed them. You know, a lot of times they said, oh, man, you were all right. No, I really wasn't. Because uh, I've learned so much, but over the course of the years, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> we I right, right. Normal. So let me let me let me give you an example. Uh, unless you have a, a question, real quick. Well, there was a word running through my head that was used earlier. It's not part of my vocabulary. Uh, I believe it was dyadic conversation, and maybe we can you can explain that a little more for us if if that's the time for that. 
Diag is just an academic term uh, and used it just a little bit as an academic term. It just means the two-way communication, the direct two-way communication. Okay. I use the term dyadic because, they, like I said, there is multiple books, seminars, classes, podcasts on how to speak to groups of people, how to be a great public speaker, how to talk to all of your employees, how to run a business. But if you'll notice in your readings or if anyone's read, there's very little on how to have that one-on-one conversation between supervisor and subordinate, between employee, employer and employee. Well, that, that's an excellent point. It makes me think there are some supervisors who will talk to someone and there are others that will talk with someone. And when an, a supervisor is talking to an employee and is not really listening to what the employee is saying, it seems to be more of a one-way conversation. Is that correct? Exactly. And because uh, I'm going to get into that in just a, in just a minute, and it turns into we think, um, I believe it was um, um, uh, George Bernard Shaw said the, the, the main problem in communication is the belief that one has taken place. <laughs> so we tend to just think because we verbalize something that the other person understood what we were saying just because, well, we said it, we said it in plain English. Right. But a lot of times that's not the case. So we have to make sure that they understood what we're just saying. So, and if we go back to it, since we're talking about a locksmith company and we're talking about, uh, and that's what we pretty much focusing on. So I'm going to use those as an example, you know, at some point in their career, you know, the now owner of ABC Locksmith Company, at one point, they decided to start that business because they became highly proficient in their trade. And many individuals in that trade at one time or another considered or did go into business for themselves, including myself, and many did not last. We all know people that they went out of business, not because of a lack of knowledge of their trade. In discussing business with many of people in the industry, many who started a locksmith business and later closed it, the talk always turns to them not being able to find good employees. Mm -hmm. Usually past managers and owners of businesses will use terms like my employees were stupid, they were lazy, or they were entitled when describing, describing the type of employees or subordinates they managed. What the manager or owner usually means is, I had a vision of how I wanted businesses to operate and could not find workers to follow along. Like I said a minute ago, the owner of a small business, they wear many hats and generally cash flow is paramount of a small business. And mistakes that interrupt that cash flow can lead to high levels of stress for the employer. You know, so for this reason, an employer would like an employee subordinate to make the same type of decisions they would make, you know, concerning their business. Sure. But, you know, as an owner, muttering something quickly on your way out of the door to go on a service call or because you're busy doing something else. And like like I said, as a small business owner, you're wearing many hats is is not really effective communication. They believe they communicated, but they didn't. 
when I hear owners say, when I hear people say, oh, I was the manager of this place, the employees were stupid. Or I even hear owners talk about their employees. They're lazy, they're stupid, they don't want to work. Well, first of all, let, let, let's decide what type of employees we're going to talk about here. There's a such thing as a bad employee, a employee that's late for work, an employee that's lazy, an employee that steals. Before we even get started, we know what we have to do with that individual, okay? Mm-hmm. They should not be working for you. Now, throughout my time traveling, especially with Asa Abloy, being in many, many locksmith companies, being in many small businesses, you could almost cut the air with a knife, the tension with a knife between the owner or supervisor and their employee mm. or subordinate. And this, and um, I must say, this the subordinate is not a bad person, was not a bad employee. There were frustrating things were, they were not doing things like the owner wanted them done. And the problem was the employee thought they were. So the frustration was not only with the owner, the frustration was with the employee because it feels like everything they did was wrong. Ah. And usually looking from the outside in, I know I've been on that role as an employer going, oh my God, why don't they just do what I'm telling them to do? But being on the outside in, I can see, wait a minute. You know, you're looking at the owner or you're looking at the employer going, eh, it's not your employee's fault. Mm-hmm. You're not communicating correctly. You're not giving them the proper instructions. Just because you know something doesn't mean they know it. Because we must keep in line, we must keep in mind, not line, we must keep in mind, Rockefeller said, multimillionaire would yeah. be a multi-billionaire by today's standard. When he said, managing people is a commodity like any other commodity. And of all the managers he hired, of all the individuals he hired, of all the businesses that he owned and ran, he said that the commodity of managing people, he would pay more for that commodity than he will pay for any other commodity he knows about. Well, that says something right there. Because that is one of the most, that is the one of the most, that is the, the right, you're correct. That is the, because uh, he realized for businesses to run smooth, there must be a manager, owner, supervisor that can speak and manage the people that they are in charge of effectively. Mm-hmm. So, well, let, I, let me ask you this, okay, if I can. Ahead. In a future episode, we're going to dive into the leader-member exchange theory. But can we just briefly touch on it now so that we can keep in mind as we progress through these series, what is leader-member exchange theory? There's many books written on how to communicate with large groups of people. Right. One of the things that we have to realize, and and this has been studied since the 30s, I believe, Dale Carnegie wrote how to win, how to win friends and influence people in the thirties. He discussed it, but this is actually came into fruition with social styles, everybody's individual social styles and how they communicate, how they, we're going to talk about this again, and I'm going to say it again, how they encode, send or decode messages, receive an Uh individual social style influences that greatly. Now, the reason why I like leader member exchange is because just because I tell you what someone's social style is, okay, all 
all right, I can, whether they're analytical, whether they're expressive, whether they, you know, a driver personality. Okay. I got that. So what, what do I do with it? Mm. Well, with leader member exchange, after we discuss how you communicate properly with people, leader member exchange gives you the framework to build that relationship. It's leader member exchange is perfect for didactic communication. You're trying to develop a relationship with that employee that's subordinate. And there's three stages to the leader member exchange. There's a role taking stage. That's the beginning. We got to make sure the employee is doing things like we want them to do it. Uh Then the next day, once they're doing that, the next stage would be the role making stage where not only do we give them things to do, but we're open to the negotiation of, hey, do you have a better way to do this? Right. You're not going to ask somebody who's never picked up a key blank before when they walk into your locksmith shop and you hire them to clean the floors. If they say, hey, you know, there's a better way to rekey that cylinder. You're going to be like, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. what are you talking about? You're not going to listen to them. Uh-huh. But after you have an employee that's been with you for a while and they've been working on a number of things and they may say, hey, I know you wanted me to do it like this. But would you consider if we did it this way? That's a negotiation. You're more open to look at that and say, hey, that is a better way. Lastly, and this is the most important stage, this is where you get your retention rates in, is role routinization. Means I don't have to worry about that person anymore. I don't, I have to slightly manage, make sure everyone, that's what I want to get out of this program. Everyone has to be managed. Because we got to always make sure we're staying within the vision because in our own minds, we could get, you know, like a compass. If I'm going across the street, if I'm one degree off, it's no big deal, is it? Mm -hmm. But if I'm going 10 miles and I'm one degree off, I'm really off. Correct. So that's what lead them. So not only do we learn how to communicate, but now leader member exchange gives us the format, gives us the plan, gives us the roadmap. To, to build the business with great employees. Now, I'm glad you brought this up because I want to stop here and just say, what we're going to discuss in the three days does not happen overnight. This is not a pill you take and all of a sudden I'm great. Sure. Okay. This is much like if you learned how to rekey cylinders and then you wanted to add safes so you could make more money opening safe by opening safe you could make more money you could expand your customer base just because you read one book on opening safes does not mean that you're good at it so what you're saying is it's going to take time to develop this skill not just time work on your part but you're the manager you're the owner the reason you started or manager work does not get easier When we move up in a company, when we move up, when we decide to own a business, if you've owned a business and and you do, you know, you work much harder than if you're just being an employee is easy. But if you if you start, if you start being in charge of people, now you have charge of people. Now, are you own a business? You're responsible for people. If you follow these processes and I've been under an employee who did that, an employer who did that even though he didn't, and maybe he studied it because he was an educated man. He just didn't tell me that he did many years ago. Uh, You might've even known him. 
Uh, <laughs> he did all of this, and almost every person that worked for him had 20 plus years of retention. He had a wonderful business. He was not an endearing man. He was not your best friend, but he ran a business methodically. And uh, I'll mention his name. It, uh, it was uh, Mitch Photo. He owned Acme Lock Company and Acme Wholesale before it was IDN Acme Wholesale. Okay. Um, but he was a methodical man and he worked on this premise. Looking back, maybe he called it that. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But he worked on a lot of these premises. He wanted to see if you could do the little things. Once you did the little things, you could move on to the next stage. And then he was more open to negotiation with you on how things were done, where his final goal was that you did not need him, that you could run things on your own. I wonder, Guy, how many employers tend to do these things intuitively, not knowing the technicalities of it, but they are fostering these workplace relationships just because they feel inside it's what they need to do. And I'm sure that I'm sure there are a few of it. Like if, if I've worked many places, being in the military, you have different managers, which would be uh, the people in charge of you, whether officers, non-commissioned officers. We've had some great ones, had some bad ones. Sure. I've had some great managers in my lifetime uh, throughout my locksmith career. I've had some and uh, I've never really had any bad ones. I had some that I wish we communicate better. So, but that's going to get us also, but there's another level of communication we're going to get to before we get to the leader member exchange, because not only do we have to pick up on how a person, we use that in, 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 in academia, you use the term encode and decode a message. We're just going to say how you send it and how you hear it. Right. Which is genetically embedded in you, but you can also change it a little bit. There's something else we also got to discuss later on, too, and that's when we get to the uncertainty avoidance of it in an individual. And this would, that's what leads to a lot of frustration between supervisor and subordinate is the uncertainty avoidance level of the subordinate because that cannot be changed. That is genetically set. Now, can you tell us, you brought that, that was going to be my next question. Can you tell us about uncertainty avoidance, what it is, and what kind of impact it has on communication? Okay, uncertainty avoidance, that was going to be later on, uh, we're going to get to it. Uncertainty avoidance is your level of avoidance of ambiguous situations. Now, when we talk about it later on, that may seem like a simple definition, but when we talk about it later on, this is genetically inherent in individuals. And it also, this level, if they have a high level of uncertainty avoidance, they need to be micromanaged. They need that for their own security, or you're gonna have an insecure employee. If they have a very low level of uncertainty avoidance, they do not need to be micromanaged. They need to be trusted or you're gonna have somebody that quits because they don't wanna be micromanaged. Now, as a manager or an owner, you may say, hey, I'm not a micromanager. You gotta, you've got to adjust to me. Or I am a micromanager, you have to deal with it. Well, no, you're the educated one. You're the employer. You're the one who's in charge. 
if you want to create a a satisfiable workplace, if you want to have employees that stay and you have great retention rates, because as employees, we know, especially in the locksmith business, we don't have a school that puts out locksmiths. Uh, So if we invest time and money in training someone, we don't want them going anywhere. However, if we're creating uncertainty, if we're creating consternation in an an individual that needs to be micromanaged a bit and we don't do it, or we're micromanaging an individual that does not need to be micromanaged, we're going to have an employee that's going to stay for a couple of years and leave. That does us no good. So what we have to do is we have to understand that we have to pick up, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, there are there are surveys and tests you can give your individuals so you can know in your head, what do I have to do with this individual? We'll discuss that when we talk about the characteristics of each. Okay. But the importance of this is you've got to come to the you've got to come to the realization that I can be an average manager. I can be okay by being one way. But do I want to be a great manager? Do I want great retention rates? Do I want great employees? Then I'm going to have to discipline myself to be both ways to different people. Mm-hmm. Okay? Makes sense. Now, let's go back to the leader member exchange theory. Is there anything else you wanted to add to that concept? You've explained it quite well. If you can follow this and you can implement it, there's study after study after study. This is a high, uh, it's been studied actually since the 70s, but there's study after study that has proven and borne out that, that a workplace environment that follows leader member exchange, especially a small business with with great didactic communication, two-way communication, it creates a joyful workplace. It creates highly productive employees, and it increases it exponentially increases the retention rate. Mm. Those are the three things. Those are the three items that, as a small business owner, once I trust you, once I have you there, it's 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 a massive disruption to a business. When you have four employees and you're trusting them, one of them says, oh, by the way, I'm leaving for another company. (laughs) We know this. I've been through it. Maybe I I don't know. You know, you and I haven't talked about it. Maybe you've been through it. Many of us have been through this. And now and now we have to go out and we have to find somebody else. But the problem is we're probably going to create the same mistakes we did with that individual. Why do some facilities or some locksmith companies have Employees love to work there. Employees are highly productive and employees stay. They don't leave. Mm-hmm. And other ones constant in and out. There, there is a reason. and It's generally not the employee. It's generally that the owner or manager is not is not managing correctly. Makes sense. OK. Well, this this has been great. Guy, uh, I know on our next podcast, we have three with you. This was our first. Okay. And our next one, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking more about the importance of social styles and everything surrounding that. Okay, so, right. Uh, is there anything you wanted to conclude this particular podcast uh, on? Any, any other final comments? There's some things that we're going to have to go through. All right. You are essentially going to be a teacher. There's no magic bullet. There's no one word I'm going to say where you're going to say, Eureka, that's it. 
This is going to be hard work on, on your part. You're going to have to decide as the teacher of these individuals how you're, how you're going to do this. I'm not saying that you need to change your personality. I'm going to give you another word, and it's called teacher immediacy. As an employer, as a, as a subordinate, you're effective a teacher. You're effectively a teacher. You're teaching the business and how you want your business run to your employers or subordinates. Mm-hmm. There's something called teacher immediacy. And that is immediacy is the psychological or physical distance between you and your student. In this case, you and your subordinate or employee. Right. Some of you, and you're going to have to determine what is the proper level of disclosure that you're going to have, how close you're going to be. But it really doesn't matter because that's going to be on your personality. Let me give you an example. I'm going to use two types of teachers that I had back to back, completely different. Okay. I didn't go to college until late in life because I didn't have the coping mechanisms. I negotiated my way out of high school because I hated every single day because I couldn't sit still. (laughs) Uh, So I realized I needed education to know what I didn't know later in life. So I had an, I always struggle with algebra. I had an algebra teacher. He was a man, probably just a little older than me because I was older at the time. And he was great. Oh, he called you dude. He had his arm around you. He just, he could, at that time, years ago, I smoked cigarettes, smoking cigarettes. He'd come out there, shoot the bull with you, everything. He was like your buddy. I learned a lot. I said, that was what was missing. I needed somebody that was my buddy to teach me this. Well, that worked for him. The following year, I was taking trigonometry. The teacher could not have been any more different. Cold, a nervous wreck, ate powdered sugar donuts and drank Coca-Cola all day. And if you made a sound while he was doing a problem, he yelled at you. And this is to adults. And if you did it again, I mean, just tapping a pencil, he kicked you out of the class. Wow. Wreck. And I said, this guy is crazy. Let me get out of this class as soon as possible. I thought he was walking nuts. However, after the third class, he looked at the book, threw it down and said, I can't believe they teach you this trash. Let me teach you trigonometry the correct way. For the rest of the session, at the end of the year, now he was never immediate. He was never going to be your friend. But he had the, but we had trusted him so much that at the end of the year, after the third class, we had thought we'd never want to see this guy again. After the third class, everybody was standing in line to get him for calculus <laughs> because Nobody wanted to be his friend. Nobody wanted to develop a relationship with him. But what he could teach us helped us, and he knew how to teach. Right. He knew how to get the information to you in a way that you would understand. And that's what we want to work on here is we're trying to help you. Now, you don't have to be some friend of your subordinates or employees. That may not be your style. It may be your style. I don't know. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about here that... It doesn't matter how close you're going to get to them or how distant you're going to keep yourself with them should not prevent you from teaching them how you want your business run and expecting them to learn and perform the functions like you want them done. 
Thanks so much for listening to Locksmith Talk with Aloha. As your podcast host, William Link, until next time, stay well. Mm-hmm.